Well, good morning. Good to see all of you with us this morning. If you have your Bible, would you take it and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that, I think, on page uh, 954, I believe is the page number of that. You know, as uh, Pastor Dave was praying, um, he mentioned uh, the missionary families that we need to be praying for and what's uh, the work that they're doing. And um, I'm altering my opening this morning in this service uh, because of what he was saying. Uh, we want to make you aware, um, and we'll, we will publish this um, in a public forum as well, uh, especially on our FAC uh, Global Impact blog that you can access off our home website. We received word this week from the National Office of the Christian and Missionary Alliance that uh, 30 missionaries uh, will lose their job um, this summer because of the economic crisis that is hitting our country and around the world. So as a matter of prayer, we would ask you to be praying for the wisdom of our denomination as they make those tough choices Pray for the missionary families, either individuals or couples, and if couples, then families, that will be affected by this. And as they make transitions to uh, other ministries um, outside, of, uh, outside of missions work or in a different avenue of missions work. We don't know, um, to date, we don't know uh, who those people, individuals or couples are, um, and uh, should should those cuts hit close to home with some of our families, our missionary families that we support uh, that are on the wall in the foyer, we will definitely let you know and be praying for you at the appropriate time. But as I thought about that, even in this, just these few moments, I thought about the tremendous risk that missionaries take to take this gospel message around the world. There's a risk involved in, in their lives, very real risk that, that we probably don't even understand and uh, fail to grasp the, the gravity of some of these situations that they walk into. But there's also uh, the risk, especially in these economic times, of, of leaving, uh, being impacted in this way that, that I just mentioned. And many of you um, either know somebody or some of you have been impacted by uh, the economic uh, situation, not only in our country, but in our community, as cuts have, have come to different uh, jobs and uh, employers in town. And there's just tremendous risk in life, isn't there? As we walk through, as we walk through life, there, there's just tremendous risk in all that we do and all that we're involved in. And as our Missionaries serve not to set them on a on a different pedestal, but but there's risk. There's risk that now the work that they've done and built in the name of Christ for the kingdom, who will take that over? And we as a, a staff gathered uh, this week over after lunch one day and prayed for our that situation. And those of you that are experiencing something similar in your life, there's. There's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of risk that you're exposed to. And a lot of different challenges. And, and in those moments of crisis, in those moments of, of uh, crisis, can't think of the other word, 
in those moments, you have a choice. We all have a choice. It's a choice that Solomon has been talking to us about in the book of Ecclesiastes for nine chapters now. We have a choice to live our life devoted to and following ourself. We can live our life chasing after everything and anything that we think will make us happy, satisfy us, uh, fulfill us, and uh, meet our expectations and desires. He calls it he calls it life under the sun. Life lived in this world. Life just chasing the wind. After anything that will satisfy us, after anything that will make us happy, after anything that will make us whole. In these moments of crisis, in the life that we live right now, and in these days ahead, we have a choice to make. We can live life under the sun, chasing these things. Or we can choose to pursue God. We can choose to put our hope and our trust and all that we are, and all that we have, and all that we own, in God, and pursue Him. Pursue, that means uh, pursuing Him, meaning choosing to live according to His will, choosing to live according to His standards, studying His Word, understanding His Word, worshiping Him as God. And then not just having knowledge of who He is, or, or what He does, or what He expects, but actually stepping out and doing what we are instructed to do. Living a life that models the life of Christ. His character, His priorities. Living a life that adheres to God's standards. That's the pursuit of God. And all of us, especially in these moments of crisis, are faced with this question, will we pursue life under the sun, or will we pursue living for God? I have to believe um, our missionaries are facing the same question. And you may say, well, they're, they're super spiritual missionaries and they're, you know, up on this. I know some of them. Don't buy into them. <laughs> Great people. They, they will face the same question. They will face the same question and the same temptation. Do I trust? Do I trust God to carry me through this season of my life? With all that's going on, with all this, I gave up everything to follow this plan. And now this happens? Will I trust Him? You say the same thing. You and I, we, we both say the same thing. You gave your life to this employer. You gave your life to this job. You gave your life to this uh, practice, this study, this discipline. And now what? So will you choose to pursue and answer those questions with a life that's, that's living under the sun, or will you choose to answer those questions in a life that's in pursuit of God? And the question affects us all, even if we're not in those financial or job kind of situations. We all face those questions every day that we live. Every day that we wake up, when you go to school, when you go to work, when you come home, when you deal with family members, when you dream your dream for your, for your life and your family and everything that you want, will we pursue it? Will we achieve it? Will we gain it? Will we go for it? Living life under the sun? Or living life in pursuit of God? And Solomon has been, I think, very clear 
in what he's been saying in this uh, series to us over these nine chapters. I think he's been very clear when he says, anything, anything that you do, anything that is done, pursuing life under the sun will always, always, always end up meaningless. Always. It's empty. It's broken. It doesn't work. You may be fulfilled for a moment. And we are not foolish enough to stand here and speak to you and say that in the moment it doesn't feel good. In the moment it doesn't feel fulfilling. In the moment it doesn't give you a rush of excitement and energy. We're not foolish enough to say that. But over the long haul, in the, in the big picture of things, when you stop and you look back over your life, was it worth it? No. Meaningless. 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 Everything was meaningless in a life that was spent living under the sun. But in a life that is spent in pursuit of God, there's fulfillment. And we saw last week, Pastor Rick uh, spoke this message to us last week, that we only have so many days to live. It struck me as he was speaking, you know, I, I think the context of it was, if you knew you only had so many days to live, how would you live your life? And I sat there and I was scribbling notes and I said, why does it matter? Why do we, why do we think about that when we know, when it's always posed, if we knew how many days? The fact is, we will all die, as he concluded at the end of that, that message. We will all die. Why are we looking for a, sudden, a magic number that says, suddenly now I must live? The call is to live now. The message that, that Rick gave last week that came from Solomon's teaching was, live life now. Hurry up and live now. We don't have time to look back. We don't know what the days are for us. So live life now. Live life in pursuit of God. Because I've tried it all, Solomon said. I've tried it all. I've had it all. I've had everything. And it's meaningless outside of God. So hurry up and live now. And I would say to you this morning as we look at the end of chapter 9 and get into chapter 11, as you live life now, would you please take a risk? Would you please take risks in your life? Would you do something that says, I'm going to step out and whatever God is asking me to do, I'm going to step out and I'm going to move in that direction. Whatever the risk is, I'm willing to take it in pursuit of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 13 through 16, he gives us this little story to kind of lay the foundation of where he's going um, in this section. And he says this, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a, a man, poor but wise. And he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered the poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. Here I think Solomon gives us an example of living life and taking risks. I think he uses this story to show us what wisdom in action looks like. And perhaps this is a good place to pause and clarify that when we talk about taking risk, we are talking about risks that are born out of a desire to live for God. We are talking about taking risks 
that are born out of a desire to pursue God. Not to pursue life under the sun that is, that is selfish and self-centered, but to live life that is, that is spent pursuing God and finding fullness in Him. When we live in that way, when we move in that direction, that, those are the risks we need to take. Whatever risks are needed to find God, to pursue Him, those are the steps to take. We're talking about risks that are born out of wisdom. And as we speak about taking risks, we're speaking it in the context of godly wisdom. You see, there is also this example of wisdom that greatly impressed Solomon. That a man, a poor man, a poor man in a city, a poor man in a city that was surrounded by the enemy, a great king who came against it with huge siege works to defeat it and to, to take it prisoner and to take it under control. All the word pictures in this story. This poor man had wisdom and his wisdom defeated the enemy. I'm not given a lot of detail about how that all happened in the story, but I would have to venture a guess that at some point the poor man with wisdom spoke up and said, hey, why don't we try this? And somewhere along the lines they listened to him and they acted and they found out the words of this poor man that were wise and they won the day. They won the battle. And in their glory and in their, uh, their uh, celebration, the poor man was forgotten. The poor man and his wisdom were were pushed away and pushed aside. And he was remembered no more. And in this story, we, we understand that exercising wisdom will not always be the popular thing to do. But it's always the best choice. Exercising wisdom will not always be the popular thing to do, but it's always the best choice. There will be times when we will be forgotten. We may have spoken wisdom into the lives of other people at another point in time, wisdom into the hearts of of other family members or friends that we have at another point in time, and they heeded our wisdom and, and great results happened. And now at another point in time, we come to speak the same truth and the same wisdom to us, and we are ignored and we are pushed aside. Wisdom, although not popular, is always the right thing. Have you ever seen a five-year-old soccer team? I coached one once. Wow. Glad that season's over. Have you ever seen a five-year-old soccer team chase the ball? Can I tell you that in our culture and in our society today, people are like a five-year-old soccer team chasing the ball. They'll chase the lights of popularity, of power, of prestige, and do things that we would just sit and shake our heads at. Why would you live that way? Why would you make those choices? Why would you do that? But like a five-year-old soccer team that chases the ball, they're chasing the lights of popularity, power, and prestige. Wisdom is not always the popular choice, but it's the best choice. Solomon has spent Solomon has spent nine chapters telling us that a life that pursues God is meaningful and fulfilling. A life that is lived under the sun is empty. Don't 
Live that way. Don't chase the soccer ball. Live a life that pursues God. Many of us, if not all of us, have taken risks that were born out of foolishness or selfishness. Risks that were born under the sun. And in a moment of brutal honesty, let me ask you this question. How'd that turn out for you? At the end of the day, when you looked back at a life that was spent chasing everything that was under the sun, fulfilling your own desires, fulfilling your own wants, being narcissistic in your, in your living, at the end of the day, when you look back, how'd that work out for you? Was your family closer? Was your family unit stronger? Did you feel more fulfilled? Did you feel a sense of purpose? Were you closer to God? Many of us have made choices and taken risks that were just plain foolish. Taking a risk, living life isn't about just taking a risk. Any fool can take a risk. Living life is about taking a risk that is born out of wisdom. And although wisdom may not always be popular, it's always the right thing. And the challenge to us each and every day is when we live in this culture and we're faced with the, with the, the, the options, will I pursue life under the sun or will I pursue a life of God? The challenge is will we live a life of risk born out of wisdom? Solomon moves on into chapter 10 to compare and contrast what it looks like to have a life of wisdom and a life of foolishness. We're not going to take the time to read those verses this morning. But he takes this idea of living with wisdom and living with foolishness and compares and contrasts them throughout chapter 10. And as he gets to chapter 11, he says this, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Can I be honest with you this morning? I have no clue what he's talking about in that passage. There, I do now. I first read that, I'm like, what in the world is he talking about? Anybody else get that feeling as they read through Ecclesiastes? Like, what is this dude talking about? Anybody? Don't leave me out there. Come on. There are just moments where I just read through Ecclesiastes and I'm going, what are you saying? What does it, I mean, I go to Pimatuming and drop bread in the water and it's gone. You go out to the lake and drop it in the water and it's soggy and sinking to the... What do you mean it's going to return to me after... Okay, I'm not up on my ancient Near East poetry, okay? I get that. seems as though Solomon is uh, probably taking a, an old Arabic proverb and uh, drawing upon that. So I went to another translation. This is what it says in the other translation, the contemporary English version. It says this, Be generous and someday you will be rewarded. Share what you have with seven or eight others because you never know when disaster may strike. Rain clouds always bring rain. Trees always uh, stay wherever they fall. If you worry about the weather and don't plant seeds, you won't harvest a crop. No one can explain how a baby breathes before it's born, so how can anyone explain what God does? After all, He created everything. Plant your seeds early in the morning and keep working in the fields until dark. Who knows? Your work may pay off. 
and your seeds might produce. Here's the quick interpretation of those uh, six verses. You ready? Take a risk. Live your life taking risks that are born out of wisdom. Pursue God with all of your heart and all of your life and all that you are and take risks along the way that are born out of wisdom so that you may live life and have it to the full. So that you can experience all that God has for you and all that God wants for you. Will somebody please take a risk? Because at the end of the day, it just might pay off. Chuck Swindoll in his book, Living on the Ragged Edge, notes four commands from this passage that God gives our generation. First of all, instead of protecting, release yourself. Instead of protecting, release yourself. He says, cast the bread upon the water. Release who you are and what you have and all that you are. Cast it upon the water and see what God will do with it. What would life be like if we released ourselves to the benefit of others? Instead of living a life that's protecting all of what we all, all of our assets, all of our interests, all of our investments, all of, all of, uh, our children in, in a way that we never expend, or extend ourselves to other people. But always living life to, to mother hen protect everything that is ours. What would it be like instead to give ourselves away to other people? To offer what we have. God has created us and crafted each and every one of us with a unique set of abilities and gifts and talents and experiences and backgrounds and expertise and education. We have so much to give and so much to offer to other people. And so many of us just squirrel it away and keep it all bottled up inside, never letting it go to other people. What would it be like if we cast our bread upon the water, if we gave our life to God and say, God, you take it through the currents of life. Through the currents of life. Take this. Take who we are. And wherever the current goes and wherever the current flows, whoever this bread is cast upon, may they receive a blessing and, and, and a, a good fortune because we've invested in their lives some of who we are for the kingdom. What would happen if we lived that way? I'm convinced and continually uh, confirmed that, that we have been created. We have been created to invest into the lives of other people. We have not been created to live a life alone. We have not been created to live a life in solitary confinement. We've not been, a- been created to live a life that says, when I get home from work, I go home, shut the door, pull down the blinds, and I live right there. We have been created to invest in other people. And when we do it for the kingdom, when we do it in a pursuit of God, we find meaning in life. We find fulfillment in life. We find the blessings of God in life. In the New Testament alone, there are more than uh, there are a dozen more than a dozen different passages or references that we would call the one another verses or references one another love one another honor one another greet one another serve one another bear one another comfort one another continually the message of the gospel the message of the kingdom is not about life lived alone it's about a life that's lived in connection and community and investment 
with other people. Instead of protecting, release yourself. Instead of hoarding, give and invest. It says in verse 2, give portions to seven, yes to eight. At the end of that verse it says, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And I wonder how many in our American culture have grabbed on to that verse or verses like that and say, here's, here's a verse. Look, you know, we don't know when disaster is going to come upon this land. We don't know when things are going to go south, when things are going to go sour. So I'm going to, I'm going to store up everything that I can get my hands on. I'm going to store up all this food, all this water, all this, all this stuff. I'm going to put it in my house. I'm going to put a lock on it. And I've got the lock and nobody else is getting it. So when that day comes, I've got it. I've got all my equipment, I've got all my toys, I've got all my uh, stuff, everything that I have, everything that I own, everything that is mine, I've got it, it's locked up, it's put away, and when the day of disaster comes, man, I'll be set. That's not what Solomon is saying. He's saying, with everything that you have, give a portion of it away. Give it to people who have a need. Give it to five people. Give it to six. Give it to seven. And you know what? Maybe give it to eight. Go beyond what, what you think you're able to do. Go beyond what is expected of you. Give away what is yours to the benefit and the blessing and the investment for the kingdom of other people. And watch what, look at what Solomon says. Give a portion of what you have. He doesn't say liquidate all your assets and give it all away. He doesn't say, go live a life of a pauper, sell your house, give all the money to the city mission, which would be a fine thing to do if that's what you want to do. He doesn't say, sell it all and go live on the beach. That would be foolish. But he says, take a risk in wisdom and take from the portion, take a portion of what you have and give it away. And when you think you've done enough, maybe consider doing more. Go beyond what is expected. Go beyond your comfort level and see what God may do. Because there's a reward that's tied into this. The back end of that verse for the day of trouble that will come upon us, that's not about you know hoarding for yourselves and having something. That's about the fact that if you live this way, the promise is that God will take care of you through the lives of the people that you've touched. As you give away, as you cast your bread upon the water, it will come back to you. The people that you've invested in will turn around and when they see that you have a need, will invest in you. Walter Kaiser, an Old Testament scholar, says this, instead of becoming miserly, just because you fear that the future may hold some kind of evil reversal of fortunes, instead of uh, leaving, you, leaving you in poverty and want, you should all the more, all the more distribute to as many people as possible so that you can have the blessing of receiving in the event of such reverses. See, as we invest in the lives of other people, as we spread it out there, God's promise is if you do that, if you take that risk out of wisdom, I will bless you in your need. Paul, at the end of the book of Philippians, is thanking the church in Philippi for their sacrifice, the risks that they took to um, send him on this missionary journey. And in Philippians 4, 
19, Paul says these words after he thanks them for their sacrifice. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that that God would be kind in return to those who gave generously. They were assertive. They took a risk. They made sacrifices in their pursuit of God. So cast your bread upon the water. Give generously of yourselves. Number three, instead of drifting through life, pursue life. Instead of just drifting through life, pursue it. This is the undercurrent of the next few uh, stanzas that Solomon writes. He says, rain clowns always bring rain. Trees always stay wherever they fall. If you worry about the weather and don't plant seeds, you won't have a harvest. You won't harvest a crop. No one can explain how a baby breathes before it's born. So how can anyone explain what God does? After all, He created everything. Don't be paralyzed in life by what may or may not happen. So often we look at life and we look at the decisions that we have to make and we say, you know what, if I make this decision, then something may happen down the road and something may happen after that. And I'm not sure that that's the right decision to make. Well, let me look at this choice. And if I do this, then something down there is going to happen. And something, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm so, I'm so afraid to move and to live and to act and to even step out. I'm going to stop and I'm going to do nothing. And the next thing we know that life completely overtakes us. Any of you know people like that? Just so afraid to make a choice, to make a decision. They just won't. Won't choose anything? Anybody know somebody like that? I was going to ask you if you were that person, but figured you wouldn't be honest with me. But I'd rather have you poke somebody next to you. Solomon is saying, you know what? The reality is this, guys. In a pursuit of God, it's going to rain on your parade one day. That's just the way life is. You know what? In your pursuit of God, a tree's going to fall and it's going to ruin your plans and you're going to have to take another path and you're going to have to go somewhere else. That's just the reality of it. And so instead of living a life that says, I'm so afraid to move because of what may happen, take a risk, step out, and do something in your pursuit of God that God is calling you to do. And don't worry about what happens down the road. God will take care of that. Because if you step out, if you take a chance, if you be assertive in your life, if you would take a risk, you're going to see a harvest. You will see a harvest of what you've done. If we walk 10 miles, 10 blocks, or 10 feet before something hinders our journey, we are that much farther down the road than the person who stood still. And in those 10 feet, 10 blocks, and 10 miles, I've reaped a harvest that those people who stood still will know nothing about. Stop drifting through life and live life. Pursue God. Take the risk. Make a decision. Be assertive. Find God's wisdom. Solomon draws this to a conclusion with this fourth point. And he says, instead of doubting, trust God. Instead of doubting, trust. Verse 6, plant your seeds early in the morning and keep working in the field until dark. Who knows? Your work might pay off and your seeds might produce. Plant your seeds early in the morning. This isn't one of those early bird gets the worm proverbs. This is 
Instead, what Swindoll would say, in the twilight of your years, in the twilight years of your life, don't look for a place of escape. As you sowed in the morning, press on into the evening. The pursuit of God never ends. It's so easy to get to the end of life and the later stages of our life and to see people who say, I I can't do anything. There's nothing I can offer God. I'm too old. There's nothing I can do. That's self-talk. That's life living under the sun. Thinking that you, at your station of life, at your season of life, have nothing to do and nothing to offer God. God will make much of your life as you live, as you live life with an assertive, risk-taking spirit. No matter how old you are. No matter what season of life you're in. I'm reminded of a group of ladies that meet here at the church every Thursday afternoon. A group of ladies who meet in a little room off the youth center that come and to pray. They come to pray for the missionaries that are serving around the world. I know many of these ladies, they they taught me when I was a child here at this church to ring the bells and didn't work much, but they're a little older now. They're a little wiser now. But they've not let their age or their season of life stop them. Every Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, you can find them praying for the needs of people around the world. And I'm confident that someday they will stand in eternity and they will see the benefits of their risks, of the risks that they took. They will see missionaries whose lives were spared. They will see people who were impacted by ministries that they prayed for. Because they were willing to be used. No matter the season of life, no matter the station of life, no matter their age. They didn't give up. They kept pressing forward. Trust God. And take risks that are born out of wisdom. As we conclude this morning, I would just ask, what, is, what risks are, is God asking you to take? Where is He asking you to step out? What is He asking you to do? Don't take a risk just to take a risk. That's foolishness. Take a risk that's born out of wisdom, that comes from a pursuit of God. I wonder how your life would change. I wonder how the lives of the people around you would change if you would take a risk, if you would move in a direction because you sensed God leading you in that direction. I asked the question in our first service, and I'll ask it again in this one, to the leadership of our church. Are we still willing to take risks for God that are born out of wisdom? You know, when things don't turn out the way we we want them to turn out or when things get difficult or when things get frustrated, will we shrink back and just stop and just let the world keep going on around us? Will Will we hoard ourselves, hoard for ourselves all that is ours? Will we stop moving forward and just isolate ourselves? Or will we as a church in the leadership of this church say, you know what, we knew it would rain one day. We knew that the tree would fall one day. But we're not going to stop moving forward. We're not going to stop taking risks 
Because God is in this and we are following a God who has given us wisdom to do what He's asked us to do. What would that church look like? What would your home look like? What would your lives look like? Some of you are facing some very difficult seasons of life. 30 missionary families from our denomination are facing very difficult seasons of life. It has rained. The tree has fallen. They have a choice to make. Will they shrink back? Will you shrink back and pursue life under the sun because that's what you're trusting in? All of these other things for your comfort and your welfare and your safety and your future? Or will you pursue God and take the risks that are born out of wisdom that come from Him? Let's pray. Father, this morning we would ask that Your Spirit would be teaching us from Your Word. That You would let these these thoughts resonate in our mind and as we have and as we face choices, we would take risks that are born out of wisdom. That we would be willing to be people who step out and keep moving and keep going. People that pursue You. Let us not ever become complacent under the sun. But God, let us be passioned, impassioned to follow you. Help us to be obedient in the risks that we take. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go out this week and take risks born out of wisdom.